Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So uh, welcome back to the Talking Hockey podcast. We have Eric, Martin, Ty, and Luke here. And we have a very special guest, Mark Yates from Instat Sport. He's the director of North America. I'm not really entirely sure what that means, but uh, he's here with us and he's going to be breaking down a lot of different stuff we have a lot of interesting topics we wanted to cover with him just because he's all deep into the analytics deep into working with a bunch of different leagues and teams and uh, different media companies as well when it comes to using their scout in stats scouting services their video and analytics uh resources so welcome to the show uh mark how's it going it's going it's going pretty well thanks for having me and i don't know what director of north america means either so it's just what they told me to put down on the uh the signature in the bottom of my email and i did that and i don't know nothing really changed in my day-to-day life so is it on so, your linkedin it sounds better yeah it's on his so, linkedin to as be well. honest I, I don't know i even know how to use linkedin or edit it uh my wife is the one I <laughs> my wife is the one that goes goes on and edits my linkedin i I don't know. That stuff is beyond me. <laughs> what, what do they say? Behind every great man is a smarter woman. Oh yeah, she's much smarter than I am, and it's not even <laughs> she's standing next to me or anything, right? And threatening me. It's, she's she's just much smarter than I am in every uh, in every way you can imagine. So thanks for having me tonight. I mean, I'm looking forward to this. I think we're yeah, gonna no really problem. Enjoy this, this is. Uh... This is one of the more exciting episodes that I had because I'm obviously more of an analytics nerd and Ty is a little bit too, Martin and Luke not so much, but we really wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. But what what is your job exactly? What do you do for, uh, in stat sport? <laughs> Break it down. <laughs> well, uh, I yell at a lot of people every day. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, I oversee North America and all the sales that occur here and uh, kind of our path in the three different sports that we currently um, compete in, uh, hockey, basketball, and soccer. 
then we have some other projects too that we work on, you know, such as Instat TV, which is kind of to its uh, infant stages in North America, but is much larger in our European uh, market. And then, yeah, so I oversee everything and then I report back to our headquarters in Europe uh, what's occurring. And you, know, you have to look over all the deals that come through. You have to communicate with everybody on your staff. And yeah, you kind of just, uh, you have to make sure that everybody buys into the process. You have to build the team, manage the team and identify what the process is and then reach the outcomes, reach the goals. And you laugh, or I laugh because it's not North America anymore. You kind of, you know, when, when you're talking hockey, you're talking an international sport and, you know, we'll talk hockey mm -hmm. specifically right now, but in every sport that you deal with, you're international, right? So the other day, you know, we're, we're dealing with hockey and I have to talk to people in Czech Republic or Sweden or, and figure something out uh, to benefit one of our clients in North America or uh, lots goes on. Obviously, we have a heavy Russian influence in our company. We're a Russian company initially. Uh, so doing a lot of work with KHL, MHL, VHL, et cetera, making sure that our clients get that information. But it goes to every sport. You know, it's understanding what we're doing in Western European, the top five leagues in soccer, right? And how that's going to impact what we're doing in North American soccer. Uh, people, you know, the MLS is hiring people from that market, right? Or they're from the South American market. So I have to talk to people in our South American team that, might know the new coach of this team and, you know, can we get him in there and, you know, make sure that we're servicing that customer, et cetera, or basketball. Uh, we're much larger internationally in basketball than we are in North America. It's something that I have to think about often and try to figure out a plan for, but uh, I really have to work with the international capacity of our company in basketball to try and leverage the North American market a bit more as we get going here. So it's, I don't know, that's what I do. I just sit here and I, I look at a computer screen and I talk to people and uh, <laughs> it sounds pretty that's exciting, what I do. Though. It sounds <laughs> exactly like my day. That's Eric's yeah. dream job. All right, actually. Eric. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Eric wants it to be his dream job. Yeah. Yeah. That is my dream job. That's what I do now, except it's not in sports. It's with cleaning companies and uh, plumbing companies and all that. Kind yeah. Of yeah. Stuff. Don't rub it in same, our faces. How great your job is, Eric. It it really is well, great. <laughs> look, in every in every capacity, right? You're working and you're trying to build a team and you're trying to, you know, work together and iron out a process that uh, reaches the end goal. So yeah, Funnily every enough, job is a learning process towards what you can do in sports, right? So yeah, for sure. How long has Instat been a uh, around? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. There's a really, there's a story we're told to tell. There's a story we're told to tell, like when you first start, right? There's a story and it is a true story. It's supposed to be 2007. Um, actually, our CEO uh, was a journalist covering the Russian soccer and wanted to come up with a more efficient way to actually analyze the players and write about them. And he created Instat out of it. And uh, incredibly brilliant individual, our CEO. Uh, and I, once again, I don't say that just because he might be listening to this or something, but <laughs> he's really, um, I don't know, people come into your life that teach you a lot. And he's taught me just an immense amount, really just an incredibly intelligent, brilliant individual. Uh, obviously he created this company on his own, right? And it's in 200 countries, yeah, 200 countries internationally, uh, specifically in soccer. Obviously they don't play hockey in 200 countries, but um mm -hmm. I mean, it's an international company, thousands of employees, and 
all comes from from him and his head. So created something really special. Mm-hmm. For sure. So you have like obviously unique insight into the difference between many different leagues because because you're all over the place, right? Soccer, basketball and uh, obviously hockey as well, and then all over the world. So we kind of wanted to talk, and like our page, our podcast, we talk about this stuff all the time. Like it's just a constant thing we talk about is comparing soccer, and because we're all, we're, all, we're all sports fans at the end of the day, mainly hockey, but you know, you saw Martin's uh, flag up in his room for Manchester United. I'm a huge Barcelona fan myself. I think you guys actually work for them. I think I saw that on your website, or at least I saw Real Madrid up there. But uh, we kind of wanted to get your take, I guess, on the different situations every single league is in. Or I guess well, we can focus on North America here and kind of the differences between where soccer is in terms of analytics versus where hockey is in terms of analytics and the different usage between all the different leagues. I know that's a big question to kind of uh, answer right off the get-go, but we kind of wanted to revolve around that kind of topic to start out with. Well, before we talk about that, I realized that Martin's changed camera position, so I can't see that Manchester United flag anymore. That I pointed out <laughs> earlier. So Honestly, I, I though, I, it's I, good I because you can't you see the, the Ottawa fan. So. No, no, no. I, I realized um, – so I've been uh, behind in most of our podcasts lately. Like I've, my audio, my video has been much – like very far behind everybody. And I realized that it's because I've been using my Chromebook instead of my laptop and – I'm officially switching to using my laptop for everything. <laughs> the ratings, the ratings. Re- I, somebody told me the ratings recently went up for you guys too, since he was behind. But yeah, <laughs> no, our um, ratings go way up when Eric's yeah, not on the way, podcast. Way, so. Yeah, that's, that's when they really go up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, to understand my opinions, you have to understand where I come from, right? So it's hockey based, right? I have always been in hockey, and. It's actually one of the exciting things when they told me that uh, I'd be overseeing North America and not just working in hockey, right? Originally, I was just in hockey instead. And when they told me I was going to be overseeing, it was, well, that's pretty cool because I'm going to be sitting in on, you know, basketball conversations now. And I have to learn about second spectrum. And I have to learn about all these things that they're doing in soccer. And I still don't know all the company names. Uh, There's a lot of companies in Europe that, I mean, there's so many companies. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people, you know, what's the difference between, you know, wearable tracking technology and just you know tracking it via the screen or whatever um so i always judge everything back to hockey and you know i i I will always say and i think people will really be critical of me for this and uh it's probably the most controversial thing i say i think the problem there's two problems with hockey and analytics number one in hockey the people that are running the sports you know, they're, they're great people, don't get me wrong, but they're not business people, right? So like a ma- major league baseball general manager, uh, you know, comes from Theo Epstein, Yale, economics, et cetera. This is the type of background. And now you're working and you're trying to mix numbers in with the actual eye test and the traditional uh, methods of doing things. And just that background, that business background, et cetera, et cetera like the business acumen, et cetera, that allows you to take numbers and mix it in with the traditional means, right? And the methodology. That's the first thing. The second thing is I'm really convinced, and once again, we're talking about very good people, but I'm convinced that in hockey, there's a lot of people that are still trying to prove that they should be in a meeting and talking about analytics, right? So you're constantly trying to prove yourself. You're never improving upon yourself, if that makes sense, right? Like you're constantly in there 
banging your fist saying, this number means this and this means this. Nobody's questioning that you know what you're talking about. People are questioning, okay, how does that number help me win, right? And I need a number that's going to help me win. So when you're talking numbers in hockey, you're talking, you know, just how does it help you win at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. And it does does that Corsi number, does that XG, does whatever the numbers are that you think that you believe in, mm-hmm. I don't care that you believe in it. I just want you to tell me how it's going to help me win. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> this is all to help me win. So yeah. I, I think that that's where hockey is a little bit compared to other sports that have evolved, I would say, beyond that, where you see the NBA. Once again, I would go back to point number one I made. You're talking about executives in the organizations that are that are business people first, right? And basketball is just part of the business that they've come to understand. Um, similar in soccer on an international scale. Um, and it's not to say that, you know, having players is bad. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to get myself in trouble here. It's just, it's who you surround yourself with as well. Can they incorporate everything, right? And that's the biggest difference I see between the sports is just the, the real <sighs> – is it even a word? Realism? Is that the re- yeah, word? Realize, <laughs> I shouldn't, shouldn't say that. Realizing that, you know, these numbers, okay, fitness data, hockey, what do they mean? They don't really mean anything because nobody's tracking a 15-year-old's fitness. So you can't see how somebody's incrementally developing over time. Mm-hmm. There, there's no record of this. Well, the Barcelona Academy or the Manchester United Academy, they're tracking fitness of a kid from 10 years old until they have to make a decision on it. And then they have all this data on the player and then they sell that, right? So they're, they're talking to FC Porto when they want to loan a player and saying, hey, here's all of his records. Here's all of his injuries and here's everything. Here's his training record day to day for the last 10 years. Well, that's Insane. that's how you improve somebody, right? Like that's the, mm-hmm. the detail that goes into it. And I think there's a realization in soccer specifically more than any other sport that at the young level, um, you know, and this would – be attributable to CHL level, I'd say, or even AAU in basketball, I suppose. Uh, AAU is a different world, actually. Basketball is different development-wise. But it's the nurturing of young prospects that you can make money off of, right? CHL, USHL, USHL is different as well. But CHL, you know, you can – these kids get drafted and teams make money off them. And, you know, what are you doing to improve the odds that the player gets drafted? You know, you go back to soccer and they're doing everything they can to make sure that this player at 17 years old can be sold for 60 million pounds to the next team. And that's how they make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And it's not even necessarily selling them. It's loaning them for a ton of money and getting them back after that. You're literally that team's paying you to develop them for three years. And then you get them back on your roster and they're playing for you while the other teams develop them. Right. So it's a very interesting cycle in soccer, and I don't know if I'm answering your question. I kind of am just rambling, I suppose. They're, they're, but, tre- they're treating their players much more like an asset than any other Yes, sport. so it's stock. You're playing the stock market, right? Yeah. And even when you're drafting in any sport, right, you're, you're trying to decrease risk. What does analytics do, right? If it's combined with the eyeball test, it just decreases risk of a player mm-hmm. and decreases the opportunity that player is a bust or not what you expect. Better right? decision There's more information. Making, yeah. Exactly. Um, and that's the difference I would say right now is the realization that they're assets that they, 
And that's not a knock against players either. It's saying, I'm going to invest a ton of money in you and I'm going to make your life better so that you can become a better athlete, Mm -hmm. right? A healthier athlete, uh, you know, achieve your goals, et cetera. So besides the owners, the players make the next most money, so (laughs) they shouldn't complain too much. (laughs) Oh, look, you can get into a lot of... I'm not. I'm not touching that one. Touching that one. So I'm probably. I like, if anybody listens to this, you, whoever's listening to this is probably going to say, "Oh, Mark, why do you say all that stuff?" Anyway, so I'm not touching the player versus owners battle. I'm not getting in the middle of the CBA. And now we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. And now we'll get back into the show. I like a lot of what you said there because, uh, and honestly, there's so many different directions to take that because there's a lot. But one thing I liked what you mentioned is talking about how, you know, the managers in different leagues have more business experience than they do in hockey, right? A lot of a lot of the players that come into GM roles, I think hockey has the highest percentage 
of it does. managers. You post yeah, about I, it I think, enough that yeah, we I, know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I only talk about North American leagues, so I don't yes, know about what, what's happening in Russia and everywhere else. I, I, but I think like 18 general managers or whatever it is, half at least have were players beforehand, so they don't have business experience outside of hockey. Whereas if you look at, you know, uh, Daryl Morey from the Rockets, or even like you know Mark Cuban who owned the Mavs for you know two decades now almost. He came from a business background, brought in all of his business experience into the basketball and the Mavs. You know they had a really good run earlier in the early to, to mid two thousands, uh, dominated against the Cavs. And he, I listened to an interview with him on uh, Whoa, this week. Careful startups. on the Cavs here. I yeah, am yeah, from yeah. Cleveland. Watch out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am from Cleveland. Why do you have to bring up the Cavs? <laughs> Which Oops, time went hurt when uh, when LeBron left? Was it the first time or the second time that hurt more? <laughs> I'm gonna break this guy's heart. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I had to but, uh, just pull out the headphones. I think I'm gone. See ya. <laughs> um, I forget what I was saying, but yeah, he talked a lot about how he brought in data and all this other stuff into the organization that wasn't really there previously, and that's how he gained an edge in uh, in the NBA when he first came in because he brought in all this data and analytics that a lot of other teams at the time didn't necessarily have. Um, well, so I think Daryl regards- Morley is, yep. is, is the perfect example of what I'm talking about. Yeah. I think Daryl is an incredibly intelligent, obviously, I mean, his record talks for itself, he's right? Genius, but he's an incredibly yeah. intelligent individual. Yep. But then you, you talk about, you know, are the numbers you're using going to help you win? Mm-hmm. You know, the numbers Golden State used, they helped them win. So yep. these numbers were the, the relevant numbers, right? Daryl, you know, uses a lot of numbers and he's, like I said, an incredibly intelligent guy. But do the numbers help him win? The numbers have to help you win for them to be valuable. It is my whole thing. And I don't know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you which numbers are going to help you win or aren't. That's up to the organization. But uh, that's that's my whole that's, thing. That was my an, next an, question. An <laughs> was what, what numbers do you think are... What do you think, and you probably have a good idea of, uh, I, I don't want to speak for you, but you probably have a good idea of what's going on in the public analytics sphere when it comes to all the stuff that you know people are providing for free, whether it's around hockey or soccer or basketball. Uh, what do you think of the data that they're doing and what they're doing with it versus what you guys are doing with it or other companies, other companies that are your competition? Well, first of all, I think what separates Instat as a company is that we're not giving you the answers, right? So people shouldn't be coming to us for answers because I, once again, I'm telling you, I don't know what every organization does. It's not my job to know. It's their job to find what works for them and to work with it. So I give you a platform that just gives you the data. And from there, you can take what you want from it and do what you want. with it. That's my job. That's how I see our job. And I think it's simpler that way. And I think... You know, if you're if you're outsourcing your analytics, then why do you have an internal analytics team? If you're paying a company to to mm-hmm. provide you analytical answers, <laughs> there's yeah. six people in your organization that you probably shouldn't be paying money to, right? <laughs> um, that once again, personal opinion. Uh, so, the second half of that is what do I think wins, and I can only really get into that in hockey. And I've 
personally have a we're lot of opinions hockey, on hockey. That's all we care yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he keeps bringing up freaking, you know, or he, he, he keeps bringing up Daryl Morley and everything. So I don't know who to talk about. But, but what I would say is um, I'm a big believer that history is a great predictor of the future. So if I go back and I research every single roster of every team that's ever won the Stanley Cup, right? You always always want to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. How, how are those rosters established? How are they put together? You know, when the salary cap comes in, how are these rosters put together? Where is the emphasis put? Is it $10 million a year on a defenseman? Is it $10 million a year on a forward? What kind of forward? Is it $10 million a year on a goaltender? You know, where what's the emphasis? What's going on? And I would say that that deems a specific position more important than other positions. And then that would um, that would suggest my draft strategy is how I would personally mm-hmm. go about putting together a team. And those are the analytics that I would use. Uh, because nobody's rewriting the wheel here. Everything has been tried in hockey within the last 100, 110 years. So um, – that's what I would personally say. I mean, everything's been tried in hockey, but like advanced stats, like looking at the types of players that might make a difference that isn't necessarily seen via the eye test is a new, relatively new thing for hockey, at least. I would argue, the one thing I would argue with advanced stats is, and I this might counter with some of my earlier arguments, but there are people in hockey that I've never watched a game with Scotty Bowman, but I think what on my bucket list is to watch a game with Scotty Bowman. And I've talked to people that have, and it's some of my favorite stories to hear because he can pick up the trends of the game and depict the game and fix the game in about yeah, five minutes sure. of the game. Right. So, you know, there are people using advanced statistics. They just don't call them advanced statistics. Scotty Bowman is using advanced statistics. He just knows the game so well that he doesn't know what he's, you know, he doesn't call them advanced statistics, if that makes it's sense. It's actually interesting because I, I uh, listened to an interview with him, or sorry, I, I read an interview with him, and he actually talked about the advanced statistics, but just talked, he just talked about them in a way that was familiar to the, you know, to his audience, right? To the people that he'd be talking to. And he referenced them and said, you know what? Like I do use them. It's just, I present them in a different way, essentially is what he kind of yeah. said. I mean, I, I argued with a, an owner in the Canadian hockey league, not argued, we discussed it. Um, and this is a gentleman that I saving, saving your ass. No. And I, I say we discussed it because the gentleman is probably a person I respect more than anybody in hockey, to be entirely honest. I mean, if, if I could probably be one person in hockey, be this gentleman, I, I just think he's the most tremendous individual of all time. And we were talking, he said, you know, you took this job, it's about analytics. You know, I, I don't believe in analytics. And I said, well, you know, how do you break down the game for me? How do you see it? And he starts breaking down. Well, I know that, you know, you know, I knew when I played that if I got the shots in close and this and that, I was getting these opportunities and I knew I was playing my game. And if I wasn't, then I wasn't playing my game. I was a little off in this. Actually, you just use analytics. You just <laughs> and so you know there are people in the game that are that intelligent that are seeing the game through analytics, and they just don't even realize that they're they're seeing it through analytics, right? Like they they don't yeah. realize that one hundred percent. You know, we you talk about advanced statistics, and it's you know uh, if a defenseman dives to break up a two on one, 
it's successful 80% of the time, let's say, right? Or it's actually higher than that. But, you know, um, well, every hockey person that's watched thousands of games knows that. They just don't realize that they're thinking in an advanced statistical fashion, right? They don't know the percentages to it. Now, when an analytics person sits in the meeting and tries to convince them that, hey, it's better to defend a two-on-one this way, and everybody in that meeting knows after watching thousands of games, look, diving is the best way to defend a two-on-one. That's when you're going to run into the issue that this analytics person is trying to shove something down the throat of people that we just know isn't true. And it might not be in that particular instance, right? I'm just kind of throwing out a circumstance that. Yeah. And it's, it's great that you said that because one thing Martin that he wanted to talk about, and this, we talked about this on a previous podcast was, I think it was Martin, was it Arizona that brought on, uh, which play some player to, uh, uh, Lee Stepniak. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. relate the analytics between management and the, the players or the analytics team. Yeah. Liaison is what they called it. Right. So I think mm-hmm. that's important to have for every single team. Like you said, it doesn't need to be a player necessarily. It can be, you know, someone around the game. It can be anyone, but. As evidenced by Brad Marchant uh, commenting on our <laughs> posts. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, stats Mar- we come up with are ridiculous. Had, uh... and he is a stat mo- advanced analytics monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was it was funny because the the post was on puck recoveries and puck retrievals, I think it was. And it was just counting the amounts that players had throughout the playoffs and we posted about it and said these were the you know the top players according to puck retrievals and puck recoveries and all of that and he commented on it and we talked about this on the last podcast episode but he was like the stats people are coming up with are embarrassing <laughs> which was really funny but and then everyone and then he got like a hundred well, it's a relevant but that's a relevant and it's a relevant that's thing a relevant uh, statistic right it is and yeah. what i would what i would what i would do is i'd go one step further and it's not knocking back Rashawn because actually i think he plays rather large but what I would say is, okay, now what's the average size of the people that get the most recoveries? Mm-hmm. And then I would say, okay, I want to draft players that are of this size, of this ilk, et cetera, or I want to assign these players at, as free agents, right? And that's how I would build my team because puck recoveries in the playoffs are going to be something that are really important. And it, it was even more interesting because a lot of the guys that led that stat, inherently most people think those are going to be the gigantic six foot three six foot four 200 pound guys and you know the guys that led that stat a lot of them were not too big <laughs> five ten <laughs> five nine you know so <laughs> it just goes to show right like you there's something no, you can absolutely. believe in inherently but there's also you know <laughs> provide them but again you need someone to actually communicate well, the numbers also to the break players. it down into there's a lot of things that I would break that down into, right? I'd break it down into also home games versus away games, travel, 24 hour turnaround, right? You know, what, you know, the old saying big doesn't get tired as fast, right? You know, is that, is that actually true? Can we test that? I, I think you can, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of things that you can go break things down into that are really important. And that's how that's the analytics that help you build a team in my estimation. For sure. Yeah. And it it would be great to have a lot more of that stuff shown in the media as well. I think that's another area we kind of wanted to talk about. Um, Obviously, we'll stay away from specifics so that you don't get (laughs) fired or sued. But uh, (laughs) obviously, we all watch different sports. We know inherently that baseball way more stats driven than hockey is even when i watch soccer broadcasts a lot of the time key passes successful passes 
possession, all that kind of stuff. It's all tracked in soccer and you get presented to it with it like throughout the game constantly. The broadcasters are bringing it up. With hockey, you know, if you if I see like one advanced stat throughout an entire broadcast, I literally like screenshot and post it on our story because I'm just like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. So <laughs> obviously, you see, work with a map. lot of these. The people. shot map yeah. is an all time favorite, right? <laughs> yeah, people exactly, love the shot right? map. I think like one guy he mentioned expected goals and he actually showed a chart with expected goals for every team, and I was just like, I've never seen this before, <laughs> never seen this happen on broadcast before ever. So I was just like. Everyone was shocked by it. Must Everyone have been on that, Twitter. Uh, late, it was the late West Coast game for sure. Yeah. Hidden in the back pages. You know? <laughs> but so why why do you think that is? What is what's going on in those organizations? Because these people, a lot of those people are business people, at least running the broadcast and stuff like that. There's more business people in that aspect of it, right? Well, I would think that uh Many of them are preparing with statistics. I think they do a lot of reading and preparation. But I think when you put XG up on the television screen, first thing everybody says is, what the heck is that? Mm-hmm. So instead of going yeah. through and saying, this team has this XG, et cetera, and just going through, you actually have to sit there and explain what is XG. Mm-hmm. Then you have to actually nail down the definition that actually describes it, right? I mean, there's... 500 different descriptions of XG. I have one and all of you four or each of you four has your own too. So I think that's the big, that's an issue with using it on television, right? It's just actually showing people having the time to sit there and explain why that's important. What's going on. You know, a key pass in soccer is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. So how do you think that happened in, baseball do you think it's just a time thing of you know because there's a lot of like i i'm not a close i'm not a baseball fan at all like whenever i turn on a baseball game it's i never turn on a baseball game if i see it at a bar (laughs) or something like that i'll see it but they there's always those stats that show up and i have no idea what they mean half the time but a lot of baseball fans clearly do they've just kept track longer yeah no i yeah well obviously right i come from a baseball family right you see the back wall i have baseball pictures I come from, actually from a baseball family. My father played, and my brother, and my nephew, and everybody plays. But massive respect for I the game. I was too short, there. and not, not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was way too short. So I'm not baseball. But what I would say about baseball, you know, I'm also a big golf fan. I'm also a big, you know, I watch and I watch those individual channels, right? NFL Network, Golf Channel, MLB Network. And I would say to you that the reason I know about spin rates in baseball. And what it does, I mean, I was watching MLB Network. I happened to stop on it last night. They were talking about a pitcher from the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates. See, I barely even know the name, Pittsburgh Pirates. I was about to say Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> and they're talking about how his spin rate changed on his four-seam fastball over two years. And then the, the amount of drop per season changed. And the amount of, uh, of you know side curve as well changed. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And they go, yeah, well, this is because of this. He changed his grip. And also he has a different pitch that now has, you know, more effect that he throws in combination with this. Oh, my gosh. Who is talking about the spin rate, you know, like of this right-handed pitcher and how he's going to change things. And these three top pitchers in the game have the higher spin rate. And, this, and they're sitting there and explaining it. And I'm not – a, I know baseball, but I'm not going to sit there and say I'm an ex- expert. But after that – I actually understood what the heck they were talking about. They're talking yeah. about his arm slot and this and that. And they explain it to the 
to the capacity that the viewer at home understands it. Yep. You know, like my my little niece could, you know, five years old could probably sit there and be like, oh, you know, this is spin rate. And I don't believe that hockey's gotten to that point. No. Think about baseball and how they start looking at like the advanced analytics and actually like acknowledging them and stuff. Like it happened way before the NHL ever even thought about acknowledging them. I don't think the NHL understands their fan base and what people (laughs) truly want. The truest statement ever made in hockey is by Don Cherry. I never saw someone go to get a beer when a fight occurred on the ice. And, we're, you know, I'm not saying fighting has to be every whistle, but I'm just saying, you know, there's something honorable about fighting in hockey and it's being completely removed from the sport. Um, and he was right. Did you guys ever take your eyes off the TV or off the game when there was a fight? No, you wanted to see what was going no, on. And it's exciting. And, and you, and actually everybody in the bar or something, because I've been in the bar when there's a, a fight happens and everybody in the bar is like, fight. Everybody stops. Yeah. Everybody. And so like, <laughs> everything stops. And they don't care saying, about the teams. They don't care about the two guys doing it. Literally. And you're, li- and you're sitting there saying to your whole fan base, fighting is is no good. And everybody's sitting there going, wait, I started watching hockey because I thought there might be a fight. <laughs> so what am I doing now? Right. And oh, it's fast and it's skilled and it's great. But the average observer doesn't know what that skill is. The average observer has no idea what a toe drag how how hard it is to pull a toe Actually, drag at 22 miles per hour. The average viewer might not even see the toe drag in real time because it happens so quickly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, right? They don't understand that intricacy of taking a puck from the skate to the to the to the stick blade, right? They don't understand yeah. that how how hard that is to do to evaluate that bounce off the wall and skate into a puck. To which is actually really sad, on. to be honest. It, it, it's sad, but so when we ask, is it coming on the on the NHL network? I honestly, I don't know. Well, I was I thinking think you like, brought up a good point, no, which is, oh, sorry, Luke. <laughs> yeah. I was well, going to raise the, 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 the hand next time, Luke. Yeah, yeah. Raise the I'm hand. Yeah. Oh my bad. <laughs> I'm talking to. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say that uh, I think the most social media famous moment of the year was when Wayne Simmons fought. Um, who was it on it was Ben Chirot on Montreal? Ben Chirot, right? like that went viral. It was everywhere. It was the oh, most, no, 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 sorry, uh, it was a Jordy Ben. It was the one that went on. It was on yeah, TMZ. Jordy ben. It was Jordy Ben. Sorry, yeah. yeah, it was yeah, everywhere, yeah. and like that was the hottest moment of the social media last two months for the NHL, and and that just brings back yeah, everyone loves a good fight in hockey. Yeah, it was literally on TMZ, man. It was, it was Vancouver, it was shared, right? Yeah. The yeah. Night, like I mean, that's the. I wake up and I see that on Twitter. You know, they're talking about. They're talking about how dirty it is, but I mean, it, at the same time, that's what they're talking about. It, it and, stands out. So I don't know. I, I'm, but I don't, what you also said was that you know people, the average viewer, doesn't understand the intricacies of you know anything that happens on the ice. Right? Completely agree with you there. But isn't then that the broadcast job to get people to get to that point of understanding what's happening? So as an example, that's one what of we're we, talking about, right? And what they, we like, talked about on the podcast was like uh, uh, Kevin Bieksa. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but he did a whole segment just on face-offs during the Leafs game. And we talked about this 
And he broke down exactly how the face-offs work, the intricacies of the way Spezza wins face-offs versus Taveras versus all these different players. And that was great. But that's like one moment out of like 20 well, games. I've seen right Kevin Bieksa. I think he does a tremendous job. I've seen, you know, I'm not available every Saturday evening to watch the hockey down here. So, you know, that is what it is. But, um, yeah, I, I when I do see Kevin Bieksa, I really enjoy his uh, – what he has to say about the game. I think he, he just, he relates to you. He's kind of a funny guy. He yeah. has those one-liners. He has those you know, zingers kind of. I really enjoyed listening to him. Um, I think the whole Hockey Canada cast, uh, Hockey Night in Canada cast, I think that's, you're so lucky to have that in Canada. And I, I really wish we could emulate that here in North or in America on a more regular basis instead of, you know, importing it. Um but yeah, I, I don't know if NHL Network's going to do that. I, I don't know their plans. I don't know their business plan. I would say that it's been a number of years, and I always believe history is, as I said, the predictor of the future. And I wish they would. I don't know. I don't know if they will. And I think it hurts the game. I don't. I think it hurts the game every time they. You know, once again, I I, I worked really hard, and I listened to a lot of. Uh, elders of the game when I was coming up. I, I worked really hard and really I, I would drive them around. I would spend as much time on as many questions. And it's really sad, you know, things like fighting are getting a bad rap because they make the game that much more interesting for a guy like Jonathan Tavares. He has that much and, more room. And Mitch and Marner. And on top of that, and, I think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, don't use the rules to create the room. Use the game to create the room. And they, you know, those guys did, and they should be honored for it. And, uh, you know, I obviously kind of probably 10 fights in my whole life, and I'm not, I didn't win one of them. Uh, so I respect <laughs> those guys even more. But uh, I, I just, that's an intricacy of the game that's being taken out, I think, by a lot of people that don't understand, or potentially, I shouldn't say don't, but potentially don't understand that intricacy. And maybe I don't understand that intricacy well enough, but it's just a surface level opinion that I have. And, so why do you um, think the fighting is moving out of the game, just in general? Like, what do you think is causing that? Well, it's the new it's the new culture, right? The horror of being able to show on replay, uh, you know, a guy being knocked out. Yep. And, you know, it's the culture now. It's just, uh, I mean, I'm only 34. Yeah, geez, I just turned 34, so I'm not that old. But I would say that, you know, as of 15 years ago, you saw, I would, if you're just observing and honest with yourself, there's just a distinctly different culture in, in yeah, the world, sure. right? And that's moving it out, you know, the, the fear of head trauma, which is a real fear. Yeah. But then you also have boxing, you have UFC. I <laughs> mean, talking about fear of head trauma, you should maybe outlaw these sports. I mean, soccer, how many guys had a ball that's heading 40, 50 miles per hour off a foot? Oh, it hurts. And, like a, it hurts a lot. It hurts, it hurts a lot. There's a reason I quit after the first day of soccer. Yeah, there's a reason I quit after the first day of soccer practice. Well, that and the running, I, I quit quickly, right? But, uh, yeah. Mark, I'm curious. Uh, if you played hockey earlier and you're talking about history and going back, have you ever watched like replay of your own video, like hockey when you were a kid and seen your advanced stats? Have you ever tried to calculate that? Oh, I was pretty good. <laughs> you're not going to trap, me. You're, not gonna trap me there. you're not going to trap me there. Um, no, I, I had slow feet. I had slow feet, but I think I was, if I went back, I would say that I completed a lot of passes. 
I, I was a very high completion guy percentage. Awesome. Definitely. Actually, I think a junior coach scouted me and told my father after the game, and he completed nine to 10 passes or something like that. And he was like, that's amazing. I was like, oh. So yeah, I'll stand up for myself there and say I'm a pretty good passer. <laughs> just didn't move a lot. Just kind of stood in one spot and just passed. That was me. Mark. Mark, if you, if you had to, uh, speaking about like slow feet, good passer type thing, if you had to narrow down like one like thing that you looked for in like a prospect or something, is there one thing or is like if they're good at one thing, you can teach them the other thing, like skating, like they're an insane skater? I had this debate the other night with an agent and I <laughs> – and he – it was. It turned out I, I won the debate. No, uh, <laughs> we're close friends for a long time, and we were talking about it. And I said, you know, what? What do you? We were talking. What do you look for in a young player? Because yeah, you know, he he was very close to me when I was scouting, and uh, he liked a lot of the players that I liked. And I said, well, what do you look for? And he goes, I don't know. You know, what do you look for? And I saw well, a fourteen-year-old. If I was an agent, and I laughed and said, maybe you're looking at eleven-year-olds now. I don't know, but. <laughs> Yeah, the agent business is interesting, but uh, I said the agent business very interesting, different topic, but yes, very interesting. Um, I said, uh, you know, at fourteen, you're looking at hockey sense. Fifteen, you're looking at hockey sense. Sixteen, you're looking at hockey sense. Seventeen, it's hockey sense. Now, why are you looking at hockey sense? Because I can control the physical development. It's what we talked about, right? They're an asset, so I can really work on the physical development. Yeah. Now, is a a kid that is max 180 pounds going to, am I going to be able to make him 200? I don't know about that, but you can at least improve them physically up yeah. to a certain degree, but you can never, the mind I find understands the game or it doesn't. Yeah. But then the, you, then you get to the next level and you say, okay, what is hockey sense? And that. That's huge. That's a million dollar question. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I don't think there's one answer that fits in. Just, I don't think there's just one answer. I think that's where you're talking about. There's 50 different types, 60 different types of packages of hockey sense. You know, well, it's, it's, Chris Kreider's hockey sense is different than Mitch Marner's. Is different than, uh, you know, who, Elias Pettersson is different than. The, everybody's hockey sense is a little bit different, and it's about finding. I think uh, the most important thing in scouting is figuring out what type of hockey sense it is, so that when that person comes or that player comes into your roster. You're then able to put that player in a situation to, um, how do you say it, exploit his hockey sense. I was talking to someone that worked for the Florida Panthers, and he broke down hockey sense basically into two different areas. He said one is problem solving, so taking the puck away from a highly contested area, and then he said the other is creativity. So that's what he broke broke it down into. That's what his version at least of what he believed hockey sense was so i always found it interesting hearing everyone's opinions on that because literally no two people like you said nobody gives the same answer for what they think hockey sense is which well, is also frustrating what, i think that's what they do well in baseball scouting i think scouting in baseball and football actually are the most advanced in the world but you know baseball we all use ring or i shouldn't say we all scouts pretty much use something like rink that right, to rank the players. So they go in and they have the skating's five, hockey senses four, whatever. They give the numbers. Baseball has the exact same format. But those numbers are much more accurately applied. 
right? So they have better baselines as to what is five hockey cents? What is this? What is that? What, you know, exa- exactly what is a four skater? Why isn't it 4.2? You know, maybe a 4.4, et cetera. And that's why their algorithms might be a little more exact. NHL teams, I think, are trying to do that. And they might be accurate as well. I don't know. But I, I do believe that there's just so many types of hockey sense, right? I mean, you have, geez, on the Leafs, I mean, you guys are all from Toronto, except for the one from Kingston, I'll say. Um, <laughs> but you have, uh, you know, I mean, Mitch, Mitch Marner is the creative type. And, you know, then you have John Tavares, which is kind of a creative scoring type and, you know, not so much defensively, but Mitch Marner is willing to activate himself defensively to cover for a forward that might get back into the play late. And then you have, you know, Austin Matthews, which is a completely different type of player. And, you know, I, I don't know. I would put it into a lot more categories personally than two, but, you know, that's an organizational philosophy, I'm sure. I, I, don't, how they... I don't know how much you've, like, uh, looked into uh... – past players past drafts and stuff um where would you have drafted a player like mark stone who is maybe one of the best defensive players available still offensively incredible as well i ask because mark stone is probably one of my favorite players <laughs> but, just remind me where he was actually drafted it was somewhere uh, in like the round, like fifth, fifth round fifth around fifth round yeah fifth round so like and what really were... like, well, I wasn't. I don't know if I ever watched him, so I can't really comment on that. I don't know what he is Which... offered. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know him well enough. I mean, but I would I say assume, that... like this is just an assumption. Um, but my buddy Walker, uh, shout out to Walker. Um, but Walker, hey, Walker always used to point. <laughs> always used to point out to me like uh, Mark Stone, who's continued this on. Um, how many more takeaways per game Mark Stone had than any other player in the league, and he's continued this on throughout his NHL career, which makes him incredible. And you you see videos of him and his takeaways, and they're just incredible. And it's because he knows where the puck's going, how to get the puck away. Um, so I'm, I'm not a hundred percent. I think anticipation is a huge, I think anticipation is another form of hockey sense, right? Some players have it. Some players do not. Some players watch the puck and then react to it. Some players anticipate. I think that's something that's, you see that in a game, right? You'll see a defenseman that watches turns and watches the puck go all the way around the wall and then tries to skate after it. You'll see a defenseman turn and go to where the puck's going to be, right? There's two types of defensemen there. That's so I would like to say that if he had, you know, great anticipation in junior hockey, which I'm sure he did, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you just would have just grow it. I would like yeah. to say that I would be pretty much higher on him than maybe a fifth round pick. I have no idea though, but I would also say, I mean, that's it goes into the type of hockey, right? I mean, the, the CHL kids are always closer to their ceiling because the CHL is more complete game. Uh, it plays with more hockey sense. It's more structured, right? Yeah. So. If I have a lot of hockey sense, and I was talking about this with that agent the other night, if I have a lot of hockey sense and I'm playing with four guys that have no hockey sense, I look worse. Because I'm trying to figure out where they're going to be, and I expect things to be organized, sure. but these guys are skating everywhere, and it's whatever. <laughs> For sure. And I think you find that a lot. I think that's actually a huge reason that the USHL kids aren't drafted as often and become free agents more often in NCAA hockey. I think that's a huge reason for it. 
because of the structure of the game in Canada versus the structure of the game in North America, or not North America, America <laughs> where it's more skill-driven, individual player-driven, and speed, speed, speed. And Canada, well, it was, you know, it's obviously a blend now, but it's more of play a position, play the game the right way, move the puck, uh, you know, much more headsy, I guess you could say, type of game. Uh, and I, I think there's major... Yeah, I would say you could probably get a dog running around in the background. But uh, I would say that there's two uh, very contrasting styles of hockey. And I think one highlights hockey sense and one really hides hockey sense. So how do you – so you mentioned like right at the beginning when we were talking about how, uh, you know, clubs like Barcelona for soccer, obviously they develop these guys and they keep track of all their data from the second that they're, you know, in their academies at 10, 11, 12 years old. Do you think that's where the CHL is eventually going to be going? Where do you think they'll ever have the resources to do something like that? Or do you think that's completely out of, you know, the realm of possibility at the moment or in the near future? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think it's possible. It's absolutely possible. Um, I think you have to find hockey's got to figure out what they actually want. Right. I mean, you know, wearable technology is really tough to draw baseline results from. Uh, you know, then you have the accuracy issues with actually just tracking through the cameras, etc. So it's it's what do you want? Uh, I think the CHL has every resource at its feet going forward, especially, and I think they'll make the right decisions. I think it's the best. You know, I'm biased, uh, but I believe it is the best or one of the best uh, development leagues in the world. Not not to put you uh, too much on the spot and don't have to answer if it uh, makes you seem bad or calls out too many things, um, but how far do you think hockey is behind other sports in terms of looking at this type of stuff? In a, oh, jeez. I think... Like uh, years decade <laughs> i think they're they're 15 years behind the nfl behind the nfl they're 15 years major league baseball how quickly do you think they can uh catch up based on like it's already been done in other sports right so like they have the blueprint of doing this how quickly do you think they can catch well, up they don't how i think they're really working to catch up uh, look hockey's a complicated sport too Right, it's very complicated compared to a lot of the other sports that we're talking about. Yeah, Definitely. it's extremely complicated. One of the fastest sports out there. Yeah, and you have a lot of intelligent people working in hockey, and I'm sure they're going to catch up. I'd say, look, just I think it's a fact they're probably ten years behind most sports. It's not a hidden fact, I don't think, but I think they'll catch up. Uh, Definitely, they'll figure it out. <laughs> they have to. They have to. Hockey has to. Or it's not going <laughs> to. It's not going to last very long. So, you know. You got to figure everything out. Yeah. All right. Ten years behind. I got an answer. <laughs> well, I mean, like, there's just things that you know. You have friends in other industries. I was, I laughed. Or I didn't laugh the other day, but I laughed after the call. But uh, somebody mentioned to me that a team was uh, was filming their practices and reviewed every practice. And I said, well, you can go back to Hard Knocks, the first season of Hard Knocks, and I'm pretty sure they were doing that, right? 
like they they do that in in football and they've done it for a long time in football they literally sit there and watch tape of practice and they evaluate their team they evaluate players they evaluate college they scout college players from practice film and to sit there and say this team is so advanced because they're they're watching their the film of their practice like <laughs> i kind of said well okay you know uh that's not that should be expected. That's a hundred teaching opportunities a season. Why aren't you? Why wouldn't yeah. you do that? 100%. If you if you have the capacity to do that, you should be. I mean, you're practicing three, you know, two to one ratio at least of games. I would say CHL's got to be three to one. I would say three to one ratio. So you're not going to teach all those practices. I mean, I don't. Know. How much do you think resources wait, play a role, wait, in Eric? The- what? One second. Mm-hmm. Uh, being conscious of your time, Mark. How much time? Oh, yeah. It's it's ten o'clock. Uh, we got wanna... eight minutes. We got eight, eight minutes before I have to go. I'm watching the timer myself. Don't worry. Right. I've been watching the timer <laughs> since you guys signed on. <laughs> All right, Eric. Ask your question. Completely joking. Gonna... For the viewers that aren't watching the actual screen here of us joking around, I, I was joking when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, there's no jokes allowed on this podcast. Actually. They're going to take you at face value. And the four hosts of this the... podcast are a complete joke. So yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was – there was two things I kind of wanted to ask. One is how much do you think – hockey being behind other sports has to do with resources obviously you know nhl teams smaller than nba teams smaller than football teams but obviously you know hot uh there's plenty of soccer teams that are small smaller than plenty of nhl teams right now and they're doing a good job so how much of you do you think of that is resources and then on the other side of actually uh i'll i'll follow up <laughs> after make all the excuses you want you either yep, want to get okay. better and get stuff done or you don't. I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I, I mean, you either find it necessary or you don't. I I, I can't answer that. I'm, I don't run an organization, right? It's very unjust for me to, to judge that. But I would just say that if it's going to make you better, then you got to get it done. So on the other side of things, with regards to accuracy, because you mentioned – you've said that word a lot of times because the accuracy of data – obviously super important if you're you know if you're getting it wrong with the data then your decision making is going to be wrong as well so one of the major criticisms and you know i say this all the time everyone in the analytics community when it comes to hockey says this all the time a lot of it's based off of the nhl play-by-play data so uh you know shot locations angle all that kind of stuff it's all tracked there and then every single you know expected goals model and everything based off that play-by-play data and it's notoriously off shot locations are off everything so when it comes to instat you know what do you have to and obviously i'm not expecting you to <laughs> say that's well, so inaccurate but but like you know how accurate do you say your data is and you know compared to the nhl's data and how do you guys go about actually analyzing that that kind of information? Is it all just computer vision? Is it you know someone sitting in a? Well, there's on a- there's nobody doing. This is uh, actually I, I love answering this question for for you for clients. Nobody's 100 percent accurate. People always say they are. The, the people that typically say they're 100 percent accurate are the ones that are just handing you a piece of paper and saying here's the data and there's no video to support it. Right. What we do and what some other companies do is they 
you know, on our sites, you can click the, the metric and there's video that appears. So we highlight our own inaccuracies. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would say is at the NHL level, I don't know how accurate their site is. I don't get into that. I worry about instat. Um, I would say that we're over 97 and a half, 98% accurate over the course of okay. at the NHL, at the NHL level, right? At the NHL yeah. level, I mean, you have great video. It's, it's easy. AHL, great video. You see it start to slip a little bit when you get to the lesser levels, right? Uh, mm-hmm. CHL, you're still going to have high accuracy in 99% of the arenas. There might be one really dark arena, et cetera. USHL, you know, similar. Youth, it's just harder, right? The camera angles are just harder. Like, it just is what it is. But I would say, our, you know, our lowest youth game is above 85% accuracy. So it's still, if you're doing 3,000 metrics, I mean, you're still pretty high. You're pretty highly accurate. Um, and then I would, then I would go in and I would say, going back to the, oh no, Martin has something to say. No, no, no. It's 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 after it's after. (laughs) I just want to get it in before. (laughs) And I would say regarding computer vision, AI, all that stuff. Everybody, it's a buzzword. It's an absolute buzzword in hockey. I've heard some bad stories about some of the stuff that, yeah. Nobody's all AI. I'd say. We're right up there with using as much AI as anyone, but AI isn't accurate. So why are you using AI? It's not as accurate. So Martin, your question. Uh, I just wanted to know like what got you into this? Like you're 34 now. Um, oh, what man. like pushed you? This is something we ask all the people that we've interviewed so far. <laughs> like what caused you to want to do this? Well, I was sitting on the couch one day and I had the, and I, well, I was sitting on the couch one day and I had the choice to run headfirst into the wall or take a job. And I took this. So, <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm completely joking. We can block that one out too, Eric. No, what led me into this? Uh, no, we're leaving that one. <laughs> I, don't, I guess I don't get those rights that I asked. Yeah. No. Um, no, honestly, you know, when I, well, I mean, when I left, I was let go by Florida. I was there under Tom Rowe and when he was let go and Dale Town and Okay, before was, even before that, well, like what made you want to Oh, that's uh, what led do, me into the, this, right? So No, but like what made you want to uh be a scout for Florida and that sort of thing? Like how did you get well, into that? Well, I never wanted to not play. Right. And so when I went home to, when I wasn't good enough to play division one and I was recruited by division three schools, but they were too expensive. So I just, I went home to Arizona state. I started coaching with uh, Boris Dorjanko, the Austin Matthews skating coach. Right. And I happened to run into him one day at a rink in Phoenix and we hit it off and became friends. And he's the one that took me to Ukraine, et cetera. And I realized I just loved coaching. I loved it. I loved being on the ice. I loved coaching. Right. Um, and so I actually dropped out of Arizona State, uh, and I went back east and worked as the video coach pretty much for UMass Lowell for a year. And I just loved coaching, right? So then I go on and I coach junior hockey in the – I think it was the Atlantic Junior Hockey League, and then their tier two, their junior B league, whatever that was, I was working for the Connecticut Wolfpack and still loved coaching. Next year I go to New England Huskies and you know love coaching, get the call in November to go to Ukraine. And I had started scouting for Halifax at the same time. So I had coaching and then I had Halifax now, right? And I was kind of comparing them. And I went to Ukraine and 
to be honest, the politics of coaching in Ukraine were not very fun. <laughs> I don't know who would have thought that, right? No, just dealing dealing with the parents, dealing with the the pressures. Uh, you know, I, I didn't like that. And I came back and I loved scouting. I loved being on my own. I mean, call me a, you know, what what are those people that don't like spending time with other people? A reclusive Loners. individual. Loners, yes, a loner. Call me a loner. Call me what you will. Recluse. Yeah, recluse. Um, you know, I, I, I loved it. And I will give full credit to the people in Halifax, uh, Bobby Smith, Cam Russell, and that whole, that whole organization. They made me love scouting because you, they treated you so well that you wanted to do the best job in the world for it. You didn't want to miss somebody. If I missed somebody, I was distraught. Because you, they treated you so well, and you just wanted to do the best for them that you possibly could, right? Mm-hmm. And then that led me to meeting a lot of other scouts, and that led me to you know following the likes of you know I, I bring it up often, but you know Bob Crocker was a great mentor of mine, and he obviously scouted a long time in the NHL. If you look up his resume, and you had Paul Merritt and Bill Berglund and Bob Lucchini and Ed McColgan and these guys, and you followed them around, and you just fell in love with it, right? They're they're talking about home when i 1965 i was in toronto and i had to call in a a report to boston university or whatever it might have been and the stories right the tradition of it you loved it you just loved it and they went to games and they knew every diner and they, it was just a great fun time you're with the guys all the time that led to nhl central scouting and then you know i i got married i was going to get married so i moved out to cleveland to take a, a job because scouting wasn't paying the bills and stayed in with mississauga and you meet james boyd who's a, just a great guy again right and he makes you want you want to do a good job for good people that's the biggest thing i've taken away from life is people want to do a good job if the person above them is a good person and stay there and then you go and for two years then you get into muskegon and you get into uh, florida in the simultaneously that year and Muskegon, it was like, okay, here's, <laughs> I learned all this. Here's the chessboard. Like you can go play, right? Let's get Svechnikov. Let's get Combo. Let's get all these guys. Cause I understand the importance of this and that. I have this network now. And Florida, you know, it's your first crack at the NHL. So you better be at every rink and know every stinking player. When those two jobs ended pretty much simultaneously, you know, as they began and ended kind of on uh, at the same times, I was sitting there. I had no idea what the hell to do because all I wanted to do was scout. But I'm not going to take a junior job for $500 a year again. You know, I, I'm married. I have to make a living. You know, I, I have to do things the right way. It's $500 jobs, a year? Oh, just I'm go. just throwing out a number. I'm just throwing <laughs> okay. out a number. But, I was going to say, um, holy you know, you, you don't take like a, you don't take a startup job because you, you're married. You have to make a living. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that is what it is. So I kind of, I probably boxed myself out of the market a little bit. In hindsight and uh what are you going to do well i went back to school and i needed a side job so let's work in hockey on a side job and let's work in analytics so i signed on with iceberg for a year and then uh while i was finishing the last semester or so of school i signed on with instat and then i was promoted to north american director so that's kind of what led me here is you just needed a job and Awesome. We kept you around hockey. Just kept you around hockey, nibbling awesome. on the edges. Yeah. Um, if I'm, if you're allowed to answer, if you want to answer, uh, were you fired from Florida or let go from Florida around the time the GM change was happening, or like? Yeah. Yes. I think that's everybody knows everything. I mean, all great people in Florida. 
I loved it there. It was, uh, I was only a year and I was treated very well by everybody. There's no issues there. At all. And you were the junior scout there. Were there guys that you were really high on that I was the, at the uh, I was actually the future scout. So oh, okay. the underage scout and yeah, I had a pretty good list. Was, <laughs> I knew the underagers pretty well. Can you can you share any? Can uh... you say one? <laughs> yeah, I had. Uh, let's I just say I, I had I had Jack Hughes going number one overall. Let's just say okay. that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I actually had uh, I had Svechnikov as a top rated North American skater too, but of course that was biased, right? Because I I watched yeah. every day in Muskegon and I knew where he was going to be. So fair. Enough. I was pretty accurate. I was yeah. I was pretty active. Yeah. Cough. I was pretty good. Very good player. Couple good calls. <laughs> yeah. Was well, awesome. Eric, being conscious of uh, his time. Yeah. Yes. I was gonna, I was about to say we've taken up a, yes. a nice hour Definitely. of his time. I we could talk for another three hours about a million different questions, but uh, we covered some of the important stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, <laughs> might fall, you might fall asleep mid conversation. <laughs> I'm older than you all. Eric definitely would bore you in the in hour two, so don't. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah I, I, I'll get really on. boring and into details that nobody wants to talk about except for me. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think there was a better follow up to a question that you never even got to, Eric. So yeah, I, I never even got to that. it, but I'm I'm leaving it. It's okay. It was a little bit more nerdy. No, I appreciate Just that. Out of my own really <laughs> yeah, because that follow up Mark, has another three follow ups after that. Too, yeah, so. Mark, that's why I'm on this call. Yeah, purely, one question. <laughs> that's why I'm on this call purely to keep Eric from talking too much. There's it's a, a giant full time job for those. I don't know if they get to see this video, but there's a giant clock on your wall, and you're just watching it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> This question has 30 seconds. Next. Okay, yeah. I, tr- I try. I try to keep Eric that short, but it's a he challenge. He does it really badly, though. To I have fair. to – like, if, if Eric's asking a question and it's like someone else has to ask a question because there's four other people on this on this podcast, I will talk <laughs> over him until he stops talking. Luke, Luke does send us how much we talked per podcast. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Eric is normally the highest amount. <laughs> Like quite a bit. Advanced statistics of the podcast. You have to have it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, Eric, close out the episode. All right. uh, Thanks so so much for joining us, Mark. I really appreciate it. Uh, Is there anything you want people to check out? Or you're not really a social media guy, it seems like. So uh, check out Instatsport. There's some really cool stuff there. I was downloading some of your PDFs and stuff that were really cool to go take a look at and all the stuff you guys track and all the nerds that listen to this are probably going to be interested in it too. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. I actually, I really appreciate it. This was really interesting. Yeah. I thought this was probably one of our most interesting podcasts. Thank you a lot. Well, I appreciate you guys for putting me on the spot in some awkward situations and uh, I look forward to editing this before it's released. So thanks for having me. And hopefully we don't get you fired. <laughs> Aaron's makes getting the furniture, electronics, and appliances you need easy and affordable. Great deals, easy approvals, free delivery. That's Aaron's, the rent-to-own power of the AA team.